Hello and welcome to episode 71 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I am one of your many co-hosts, Stuart Butler, and I'm joined today with Peter Domeo. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. And Melissa Kavanaugh. Hello everyone. And Misha Bokikio. Hello. You can do the whole accent, the no. whole accent, the whole <laughs> episode no with an I accent. There's no way I can maintain my composure and attempt to do a mediocre British accent. All right, so we, we were ridiculous last week, so I, I was hoping that we could be a little more sensible as in, in relative terms to how we normally are and be a little more practical with our advice this week. What do you think? No promises, but we'll try. I think we had very practical advice last week. We were just silly about it. Yeah, it was fun. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, it was one of my favorites. It was certainly the most ridiculous episode we've ever done. And uh, we had a lot of fun doing it, and we got a lot of good feedback. So A lot of times, being absurd is the best way to really drill a point home. I think that's what we're trying to do. I think we drilled that point well home. Well, and shout out to the Chipper British Hotel for letting us use their brand as an example. This is true. I kind of want to start a Chipper British Hotel now. That'd be pretty cool. all the rage. I think it would do well over here. I'll answer your phones for you. (laughs) How would you do so? Hello. (laughs) That sounds like a very Chipper British resort. (laughs) Or hotel. Yeah, it's not a resort. We don't have all the amenities, Pete. It's just a hotel. Uh, Today's episode, what are we doing, Misha? We have some really great tips on how you can promote your hotel or resort before it actually opens. So we have a blog on the Fuel Travel website about this that actually has nine points. We're going to cover about five or six of those today. And these are really helpful if you are opening a new property, but Stuart pointed out earlier that these are things that you should be doing even if you're not opening a new property. Yeah, it's kind of the block and tackle stuff like the basics that you should be doing and this is important like you said if you're opening a new property for the first time or if you just purchased a property it's a good checklist to go through or one of the things we really encourage people to do is deflag you know if you've been a a franchise for a long time and you're looking to go independent the same checklist applies and you can often find by deflagging you can end up making more money you have more independence you can be a little more unique in, in your value proposition. You have more control over a lot of things. So this applies really generally to everyone regardless of your situation, although we kind of created the content initially with the mindset of if you're opening a new property because we get a lot of questions about that. And Yeah, this was actually a question that was asked several weeks ago, and we just kind of felt like we had really thorough answers and we could flesh it out and do a whole episode about it. So that was kind of the inspiration behind that. Yeah, so lesson learned. If you have a burning question, you want to send it in to info at fueltravel.com or like this person, was it Twitter or Facebook they asked? I forget. But, mm, I can't remember. But yeah, you can hit us up at Fuel Travel on social media and we, we typically will do a succinct answer on that platform and then usually use it for content inspiration for the podcast later on, which is what happened here. But before we do that, let's get into Pete's favorite topic, the newsies. Newsies, yay. <laughs> You still, have, do you still hate that? T- I despise that. Does it burn your buttons? It burns my buttons. Yeah. It is my omni-channel. Can we take a quick <laughs> a quick poll? Are we going to keep the newsies? Keeping it. I don't... I'm not a fan of the newsies. All right. Well, I... Does anybody am, want to second the motion to keep newsies? I as second the that term? motion. Oh. All in favor, aye. Aye. All those opposed? Nay. All right. It is a tie. <laughs> we need a tie breaker. But as, as the host, I'm going to tie break. What and about we're gonna keep the newsies. or something... The musicals? Are you yeah, going to sing it? sounds almost 
Biological. Yes, we should absolutely have musical musicals. <laughs> All right, well, kicking off the musicals today in song, in the, the ex- key F minor is... The Expedia Partner Conference just wrapped up. So <laughs> it's very impressive, Pete. Well, thank you. You can hold a tune. I like it. Uh, Anyway, yeah. So the Expedia Partner Conference 2017 just wrapped up. And instead of just talking about one item in the news, there are tons of, you know, pieces of news out there coming out of the conference. Several pieces are focusing on the fact that Rev Plus is really starting to come into its own. Other people are talking about how Expedia is starting to monkey around a little bit with showing third-party rates on their actual system. So there's a lot of really interesting stuff that's coming out. And instead of kind of diving into it here, uh, we'll have a link in the show notes to a Google News search for the Expedia Partner Conference that everyone can dive into. And there's dozens of news articles and all of them are really, really good. So I suggest someone spend some time and go through those. All right, so according to Expedia, people are really excited about Expedia's Rev Plus. They wow, are. that's surprising. Expedia is excited about people being, being excited. excited. Yeah, and we had some folks from Expedia on the show a while back. We did a whole episode on Rev Plus when they kind of first rolled it out. And it was a real popular episode. A lot of people in, enjoyed it, got good feedback. It's from a download perspective. It's it's up there with one of the best episodes we've done. But when I talk to clients in properties, there aren't many people really using this mm-hmm. tool that much and i think there's a couple of reasons one they're, they're inundated right they've already got a lot of tools and a lot of data from a lot of places and um i don't feel like expedia has done the best job selling the value of the product yet or training people educating them holding their hand through it but the other thing is it's kind of like there's still this distrust in it's expedia and you know we're frenemies with them from the hotel perspective and do you really want to get into bed? I mean, that's why Expedia is doing it, right? It's a strategy that at some point someone came up with the idea of, hey, these people that don't like us, they'll like us a lot more if we provide more valuable that no one else can. And we've got this data that no one else has. So I get why Expedia is doing it, but there's just this little bit of reluctance and distrust there. And, and people are very slow to adopt it. I'd like people, more people to use it. It's data and it's valuable, but yeah, I'm not if it had it. another name associated with it. I think it would be better adopted. Like not Rev Plus? Well, like no, not Expedia. Bev Plus? No, not Expedia. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> it, I think what they're doing is a lot like what Amazon did to you know everybody in the world where you know you shop on Amazon, you use the Alexa, you have all the different tools that, Alexa, that Amazon offers, trying to be that for hotels and be more than just an OTA, but part of their overall brand. Yeah, and if you look on the price line side, I think they've tried to do this as well with some of their like booking.com for example and they have some tools and uh, you know the both otas they want to become that full vertical tech stack solution but i just they're, they're positioned wrong and i think their their main revenue is coming from a different place that it's really hard to make those two conflicting goals mm-hmm. congruent you know so I don't know. I like what they're doing. I think it's the right direction. If I was Expedia, I would be doing the same exact thing. You know, where they're failing, in my opinion, is is the delivery. You know, hand hand holding these properties through using the tools. They're not really doing a good job of that yet. Any any contribution, ladies? No, I agree nope. with pretty much everything that you guys said. I think there is some distrust, just being that it's Expedia that has a tool to help hoteliers spend more money with Expedia. So I think there's some distrust there and I agree that they're not 
doing the best job educating people on the product, how to use it yet. I mean, sitting in on meetings, I haven't heard personally any of my clients discuss the tool yet. So some work to be done for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a different sale, right? Because they're used to their market managers going out and selling the, the, the advertising product, which is essentially what it is. And now they're trying to sell a service product, very different approach. And it's a lot more labor intensive and, you know, people don't tend to, they tend to be lazy. They tend to stick to what they know. They don't tend to go and figure stuff out on their own. They're not, a lot of people in rate management aren't necessarily scrappy enough to go log in and, and go self-educate on the tool. Like so, it's just another tool. Like I agree with what you said also. It's another tool on top of all the other tools they have to use. Like to me, yeah. it would make more sense to perhaps partner with a third party that has a dashboard that pulls in from tons of sources versus yeah. like me having to log in and go to a separate tool. Yeah, I agree 100%. Yeah. Cool. What else is on the newsies? I have a... Oh, do you want to do it yeah. musically as well? I, it's well the mus- you ruined my surprise here. Stop. Come on. Stop. Zip it. All right. So All right. my news is not quite on of as an exciting note as Pete's was. Mine is about Airbnb. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Didn't quite get the reaction I was hoping for, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, so Airbnb. You need to continue. Do the whole thing. Airbnb. Guests are finding hidden cameras. There it is. That's better. <laughs> yeah. Not a good look. My article is from CBS News, but this can be found across multiple news outlets. Airbnb guests are finding hidden cameras planted in their rentals. Again, not a good look for the brand. And this really speaks to some of the privacy concerns that have been expressed by people that have stayed at Airbnb. And it's one of the many caveats of staying with a rental company like Airbnb. So the article kind of focuses on one person who had this experience, but then they touch on a few others. The girl's name was Megan. And in her, a little bit dramatic words, she said... I was like, this could be the day that I get killed or worse. I don't know. Not the best quote, but it's fine. So clearly expressed some some concern about this. And they actually have photos that she took where she saw a an iPhone recording. And it was being, you know, streamed somewhere. And then other people have said, you know, they found iPads or different devices hidden throughout Airbnb rentals. Airbnb has come out in front of this, or I guess behind this at this point, and said that, you know, we take this very seriously. This is not something that we condone, whatever. <laughs> really? But, yeah. But it's it's not a good look. No, I mean, it's a challenge, right? This is the reason that not, the majority of people are not yet using Airbnb, right? It, it, and it's slowly growing and some of the fears are there. But at the end of the day, there, there isn't the restriction, the regulation with Airbnb because you're dealing with average regular people. And even if it's a fraction of a percentage of the people that are renting, there are weirdos in this world. And weirdos are going to do weirdo stuff. Yeah. And there's no way for Airbnb to police or prevent that, right? So there is an inherent risk with renting through Airbnb that's greater than the inherent risk that also exists renting with a hotel because when you're with, with a hotel you hope that there's oversight that there's you know multiple people that would be able to prevent this on more occasions but when it's one individual that could be that weirdo this is a risk that's gonna happen it's not gonna be the majority of people but uh, how tolerant are you of that potential chance well and when i was thinking this through i mean and we've talked a lot in the past we've done um, our travel trends we've talked a lot about airbnb and how it's changed and how it's evolving over time and two of the major things that people 
keep coming back to our safety concerns. How do you manage that at scale and privacy concerns? And I'm even at a loss. Like, how does Airbnb combat this? Like, how do they control it? And we're dealing with this, you know, a new society where um, millennials are a lot more trusting, looking for experience. Their tolerance for risk is probably higher than perhaps it has been. But in the social economy that we live in, trust is the currency. And people assume that there's trust implicit because people can review people, right? That's that's the trust. It's coming from peer reviews. It's self-policed. But that doesn't stop unscrupulous weirdos signing up today and you being the first or second or fifth person to stay and no one else caught it before then, right? So, And you might, every other person that stayed there that got recorded without their knowing may have had a great experience and gone and left a five-star review because they were ignorant. They didn't realize they were getting recorded. And now their naked tushy is all over the internet because, you know, because it is. Hopefully these people go to jail. Yeah. It's in the article like this. They, the girl did get super freaked out. She left, she reported it. Like he did go to jail for this or he was arrested on charges, but it it does raise some ginormous red flags for sure. And you, I mean, this stuff happens, right? People, you see it in like, public restrooms people recording stuff you you've seen it in hotel rooms and gas station restrooms and this weird stuff's going to happen and the challenge airbnb is going to have is every shocking sensational story like this that comes out is going to reinforce the fear that a segment of the population already has it's just going to exacerbate that and it's going to make their challenge even worse. Same as Uber. You know, Uber faced their fair share of challenges for the same reasons. I saw something funny kind of related to Uber. It was a meme and it said, um, your mom used to always tell you, don't talk to strangers on the internet and don't get in a car with a stranger. And now it's like you use the internet to summon a, a car and get in a stranger's car. Yeah, but we trust that stranger <laughs> yeah. because some anonymous person who we don't know said that they didn't murder them. You know, yeah, technology. I mean, it's the it's the the, the life we live, and in, in at it's an individual choice to how much risk tolerance we have as individuals. And you know, I use Uber every day. Very rarely do I use Airbnb, not for security concerns, but you know, it's. I think there's a lot of people that still wouldn't go near any of those things. Mm-hmm. Well, I recently stayed is at a VRBO property, but out on their back porch there was a security camera. And we were all sitting around the back porch just saying, I would assume that if I had this house and I had a security system, I would probably be every once in a while peeking in, seeing what's happening in the, on the back porch and whatnot. For sure. If, if people yeah. are staying there. The real question is, this is one person who found a camera. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is now everyone assumes if they didn't find a camera, was the camera just hidden better? And it wasn't there. So it kind of puts a distrust that... Like you said, how do you combat that? You didn't find yeah. a camera, but that doesn't mean it wasn't there. Yeah, I, it, it's interesting, and and the you know how how often this occurs is probably minute. Very small. But if it's one case a year, it's going to be all over the media and you know blown out of proportion. But I guess you know our audience primarily that listen to this show are hoteliers, innkeepers that that aren't Airbnb, um, you know, folks. How do you leverage this? How can you take advantage of this? Well, there's a big argument to be said that you can be focused on your security. You know, if you're a property that has on-property security, safety and security, especially when people are traveling abroad, is one of the biggest priorities. It's one of the biggest things that affects their influences, their decision. So 
talk about security and safety on your website and in your marketing. Make sure that it's at the front and center. Especially there was a recent study, I forget where it was, but they were talking about the factors that uh, women consider versus men. Female travelers especially, safety and security is, is huge, right? So why not use that knowledge and use it to promote your property in the right way and entice these people that are security, safety conscious to come stay with you versus going to an Airbnb? Well, Melissa and I are staying at an Airbnb in January for our half marathon, so I think we're going to have to do a thorough sweep. I would say so. Property. Okay. I think you definitely should do that. But, I mean, again, you should probably do that any any public space you're going to when, you know, you could be caught with your literal pants down, you know? Yeah. I don't know. If you want to see it that bad, go for it. Like, I don't know. <laughs> how, would you, not... I mean, how would you feel if you were, you know, you were undressing know. and that was... Pu- put on the internet for all this i mean it's definitely bothersome but i feel like i wouldn't get as upset about it as other people. like i don't know it's not that impressive <laughs> whatever <laughs> it's fine <laughs> feel free to cut this part out <laughs> no absolutely okay. not all right moving on <laughs> all right who's singing the next newsy music, hey i have please. one thing to add to that for 149.99 you can get a hidden camera and surveillance bug detector so go to Amazon. You purchase. Can, is this detect. like a snipe detector? Well, no. It, it, I guess it detects the you know wireless cameras and you know infrared signals of you know listening devices. So we need to buy that for Melissa and Misha before they go on their Airbnb trip. I, I think trip. so. That should be like an added uh, additional service that Airbnb sells. They should the provide it process. to every user, yeah, yeah, when they sign up for an account, just in case. Yeah. Did you have a news item, Melissa? Uh, sure. I have a news item. And it is from our friends at Skift that is entitled, Amazon Wants More Hotels Using Alexa Voice-Powered Services. I'm sure they do. (laughs) Don't we all? (laughs) Uh, We've talked about this before and how voice services is definitely starting to become more and more common, certainly throughout chain hotels. But recently, uh, Amazon is really making a real big push for this, and they have debuted a service called Amazon for Business, where they're really pushing Alexa in workplaces and service providers like hotels. And this was at the end of November that this announcement came out. And uh, it's it's definitely becoming more prevalent in a lot of the chains. And I'm just curious to see how we continue to see it in non-chain properties. So we know that the win uh marriott best western have all experimented or are experimenting with amazon echoes and dots and etc etc and they're using it for both in-room services like dimming the lights and all those things that lazy people just can't get up and turn the lights off but whatever but they're also using it for back end and back of the house services as well so it's really interesting to see the evolution of how this is going to come to be yeah we we this topic came up on uh, I do a weekly live show called This Week in Hospitality Digital Marketing and um, Ed Saint Ange from Flip Two and I got into a very healthy debate about this. Like he's coming at it from the this is ludicrous that people would hotels would want to let Amazon into their rooms and that ultimately that's that would be a lot. You need to go listen to it, but ultimately it'd be like letting Expedia into your hotel rooms and collecting data on your guests. But and and the privacy concerns that come with that, but. I'm on the other side of that. I really believe that as we as consumers become more used to voice activation in our everyday life, on a smartphone, on a 
it, with our Alexas and Google Homes in our houses, we're going to expect it in the hotel room. It, it has to. And whether that's an Alexa, whether that's a dummy device that's universal, whether it is our phone that then controls the stuff in the hotel, I don't know. But you, I do believe that if I had a hotel today, I would go out and buy a bunch of $30 mm-hmm. dots because that's all their cost right now yeah. and put them in every room. Because even if it's just for simple stuff like setting alarms, listening to music, asking the weather, asking the time, the stuff that people use their dots and echoes for most of the time anyway, that's a benefit that I have that someone else doesn't have. And it's something I would enjoy, my kids would enjoy, and most guests would enjoy. There's no harm in doing that. Now, if you get to the point where it's controlling your lights and the thermostats and um, you can order room service, great. But we're not there yet. It's not fully integrated yet to all that. And that, that adds some complexity. But just stick a dot in your room and tell people you have it. It's, it's a differentiator. Why not? It's $30. Go for it. That's my opinion. And well, it's a humble one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. But go listen to this this week in Hospitality Digital Marketing, last week's episode. Um, it, it gets into some really deep, um, conversation about privacy and security and, and stuff like that. You're but, really smart, but I feel like you're the dumbest one on that show. No question. I, <laughs> like, I, I listen like, to that show and yeah. I'm just like, my mind is blown at the takes that these guys have on yeah. like literally everything. Yeah. You, you have Robert Cole, who is literally a savant when it comes to the history of the industry, like knows everything that's ever happened in every player that's ever done it. You've got, um, Tim Peter, who his podcast um, Tim Peter thinks out loud is probably my favorite right now. He gets so deep into stuff that I hadn't even thought about that it just it really is a head stretcher for me. It's really good. Lauren Gray is so well rounded and versed. Holly again has a wealth of experience, and then there's Ed as well. With what can I say about Ed? He has opinions. Really, I yeah. Never He's more, noticed. I, I I I think I have a reputation for being opinionated, but he makes me look like I have no opinions. One hundred percent. Yeah. But no, I I honestly hand on heart feel like the stupidest person on that show. Because yeah. part of me is like, oh, it'd be fun to like maybe hop on one day. I'm like, definitely not. I would have nothing intelligent to contribute. Yeah, it, it's great. <laughs> it's a good show. You should definitely check it out. It's this week in hospitality, digital marketing. Lauren um, Lauren's been doing that for it's coming up to two hundred episodes. I think it's it's. I thought you were about to, to say do. years, and I was like, whoa. 200 years. Yeah, Lauren Gray's <laughs> been doing it a long time. But, um, you know, it, it's great. And it definitely um, goes off the rails sometimes, but it gets deep into some of these things. So, if, you know, the stuff we tease you with, you want to get really deep into, that's a good show to listen to. Well, are we ready to get deep into some promotions? Sure, let's do it. So, again, the topic is, you know, if you're just about to launch a new property, if you just bought it or you're just building it, or if you want to deflag, you know, lose the franchise and go independent, or or it just as a checklist, a health check, if you will, of your current property. Melissa, Melissa, sorry, Misha did a really good blog article that you can get on fueltravel.com slash blog um, on the same subject. So we'll link to that in the show notes. But there's nine on the blog. We're going to cover the top probably the six that are most interesting to talk about on this this show so let's kick it off with number one number our first point is one that i think is a little bit of an afterthought and that a lot of times in the process of launching a new brand or a new hotel you get towards the end and you're like oh crap we need this and it's almost too late at that point so you really need to as soon as you have your branding set you need a website or at minimum a landing page 
once you're doing all these other things that we're going to talk about, you're going to want somewhere to drive that traffic. And the whole point of this is to not only, you know, drive that traffic there, but then start converting that traffic into leads. Yeah, collecting emails and, and contact information. You know, that's, it's interesting. A lot of folks that come to us and say, we're building a property. It's going to open in May. We want to launch the website in May. We're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't you want people staying at your hotel the day you open? Yeah. How are they going to find mm -hmm. it? You know, you've got to get out. To me, at least six months before you're going to launch, you need to, you need to have that website up, collecting data, offering bookings ahead of time. Soon, you know, so you've got to get your PMS in line. You've got to get your booking engine in line. You've got to get a website up so people can access that minimum for me six months before you open. Yeah, and that's it's, it's easy for us to say that it, it can be very difficult from a property, especially if this is a property, you know, coming out of the ground. A lot of times you don't know specifically what your room types are going to be. I mean, stuff changes from an architectural perspective to where, you know, an ADA compliant room may no longer be when everything is done, but you can definitely get a landing page up when you know that you have a hotel and you know the name of the property. And Go start ahead. collecting emails. Right, Be because all you have to do is say, hope you're excited about staying here, give us your email address and you'll get an email when we're ready to start accepting reservations. Yeah. That's easy to do and while that's up, you can be building out the rest of the website, building out your property, getting your details all in line, but before then, just get the email addresses. Nobody knows about it, so there's no reason not to put this website up there to start the process. Yeah, and you can build anticipation. You can, you know, you can show progress, get put a webcam up on the building, yeah. whatever it is. Time lapse or, videos. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff you can do that's interesting. If you're gonna stand for something unique, if you're gonna mm -hmm. have some unique stick, put it all on there. You know, let people know that it's coming. Tease them and get them to build you know, build their anticipation. Yeah, and I think there's a few pieces of information into your point Pete like not all of this might be ready when you are at the point where you're like okay we're ready for a website or a landing page and that's fine but ideally if you do have any images whether it's you know conceptual drawings or if you do have some lifestyle photography you can use that's great definitely have some images make sure they're really good quality you also want to have any general information you do have so whether that's an expected opening date even if it's just spring 2018 or whatever it might be or if you do have a set opening date if you have information about the type of property it's going to be what type of people should stay there really anything just to give people a better idea about what your hotel is and then of course you want contact information so if they do have questions an email address a, a contact form a phone number and then email collection, which we'll kind of dive into some email tactics later, but you definitely want to be collecting those email addresses. And then also, if you do have a date that's set in stone and you do have the functionality, and this can come at a later point too, but go ahead and start accepting bookings. That would be great as well. Yeah, and maybe you can offer some incentives. You know, you're a new property. Maybe there's an early bird special or sign up and you get exclusive, you know, first people rates or something like that. I think there's an opportunity there to create some value in collecting email addresses. For sure. Like you would never, like you said, Stuart, you know, you would never just open your doors and hope people come to stay there. I think this entire concept of promoting your hotel before it opens is there's no demand for your property. So you need to really spend some time generating that demand and building that awareness. Yeah. And, and then, you know, continuing to evolve the website after you launch too, as well, I'm looking at the data and the analytics, which I think we're not going to talk about that today, but that was one of the, the ones on the blog is the analytics. Make sure when you build that website that you're tracking that data, right? Correct. Yas. We ready for two? Number two is social media. And this is a really great way to 
connect with people, start building that relationships. It's not which we've talked about before, a lot of times the primary goal of social media is not to generate direct bookings, right? But it is an important touch point in that funnel. People are going to want to check out your property, see some photos, see what other people are saying, see what other people are doing. So what we recommend at this point is, again, at minimum, you need to be claiming those URLs that are relevant to your brand. So go on Facebook, hop on Twitter, hop on Instagram, and just go ahead and claim those handles and then start building up that conversation and that repertoire that's related to your property and get people excited and start connecting and building that fan base. And once you get that going, you can also use social media as a lead generation tool that kind of ties in with your website as well. Yeah, and especially if you're like going to be a condominiumized property and there's homeowners, it, it's really imperative that you get your social um the, the vanity urls as quickly as possible before someone else does it can be a real pain and the thing is you know every hotel no matter how big or small what the franchise is they need this magical thing called people to come stay with them and and to find these people you need to go look to where they're hanging out and a lot of those people i don't know if you've heard of these things called people but they hang out on this thing called social media a on lot. the interwebs yeah and and so you know, go communicate with them. That's how you're going to start to generate awareness that you exist and you become a part of their decision set. And, and you know, it's where you can reach specific niches. So if you're, say, a health and wellness-focused property, you can go find where these people that are interested in health and wellness are hanging out on social media and what they're saying and what's important to them and become a part of that conversation. Would I would also add to that the part about making sure that you're claiming your you know, brands before, if it's condominiumized property, the homeowners with your domain as well, buy any variation of your domain that you think is relevant, you know, buy your destination, hotel name, hotel name, then destination.com find anyone you can, because we've seen it happen so many times where a homeowner or a rental management company ends up finding a really good domain that you decide that wasn't worth your time and you spend way more than the nine dollars it's going to take to buy a domain now to reclaim it and deal with the online fallout of having something else out there that's competing with your name yeah it's it's tough you know i kind of i kind of agree but i kind of disagree because because i think you want to get the the core ones right definitely your destination definitely like the dot net version of your, mm -hmm. your core domain but it doesn't matter how many you could register a hundred domains and I'm going to find an, a different domain that can kind of work, you know. So so I don't think you're ever going to really prevent it completely. But definitely get, you know, the .net, the .code, the .us versions mm -hmm. of your domain. And maybe with the, the city as well. But you could go crazy, you know. Yeah, you could end up spending way too much time and yeah. money going down that rabbit hole. But if you cover the basis, the ones that, yeah. you know, you can think of within, you know, 20, 30 minutes, whatever it might be get those, at least you're making the other people have to work harder and it's going to be harder to establish that as a brand. Yeah. If someone else I don't go it. register all the hyphenated versions of your domain and stuff like that mm -hmm. just because you could get crazy expensive. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of, you know, a little tangent to that, back to social, when you're creating, you know, the vanity URLs for facebook.com slash name of property or whatever it might be, Having those be consistent across your channels is also really important because you want people to be able to find you. And then also tying that into your website, when you do have your website or landing page up and running, you know, be sure you're linking between your website and your social channels as well so you know where to drive people. 
Yeah, for sure. And it, it, there's a balance to that and there's not to that in terms of you, you don't want to take, once you're up and running, your website's chugging along, you're trying to convert people, right? So you shouldn't be taking people that are coming to your website, starting to look at rates and force them to go to social media where or overtly send them to social media where they get distracted by kittens and stuff that happens on social media. But you want a presence. You want people to be able to find you on social media. But your social channels should, their primary purpose should be to drive people back to your book, to your website, and to your booking engine. Yeah, and we also have links in the show notes that you can find on our website, fueltravel.com slash podcast. That has um, some helpful links to a, a few blogs that we've written that are related to social media. So there's one on using the Facebook pixel. There's one on 75 social media post ideas if you need a little inspiration. And then also one about the best Facebook ad formats for hotels once you're ready to explore some advertising avenues as well. Yeah, yeah, it's some good links, definitely resources. So again, it's fueltravel.com slash podcast. Click on episode 71. Ready for number three, 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 three. three, three. People are going to think we're so weird. If <laughs> this is the first episode they've ever listened to, they'll be like, where did that come from? They'll have to go back and listen to every single every one, one of them. Yes. Yeah. Number three is email marketing. So again, taking your lead generation via your website or social media or other places as well. This is where, you know, one of the first communication touch points prior to opening. So you really want to keep a few things in mind when you're collecting these emails, right? You want to make sure that you are legally obtaining these emails and you're not buying lists off of fiverr.com super important very important important. don't ever buy lists ever it's it's stupid yeah and it's way better to have two fantastic subscribers on your list than 200 who don't ever get your message yes and report to a spam yes yes you definitely don't want to start off on the wrong foot before you even open so make sure you're getting your leads and they're high quality Use a reputable and trustworthy email vendor. So this could be something that's a little bit more sophisticated, like Exact Target, or it could be something like MailChimp that's a little bit easier to use and a little bit more user-friendly. Um, but just make sure you're using one that is reputable and one that's functional functionality-wise that you're comfortable with. Yeah, there really is a spectrum, like you said, like Exact Target or Salesforce Marketing Cloud. It is enterprise level, right? Sure. Probably too much for most folks um and then all on the other in the middle is probably like emma and um, mailchimp like you said and then mm-hmm. you go all the way down to like a constant contact mm-hmm. I, th- I think when you're looking at it look at the price look at look at the functionality like you said how easy is it to use look at the capabilities to do things like set up drip campaigns but then also look at who's using it you know i, I have a personal bias kind of against constant contact because they were really popular you know, five or 10 years ago and everyone was using them. And I feel like to me that just kind of ruined it for it because there's a lot of people not following the regulations. I, I like Emma. I like MailChimp. I think you can't go wrong with either of those. But once you collect the email address, mm-hmm. you, you're starting a relationship. you got to wine and dine and date them, right? Don't just say collect the email and then they see book a page now, that says, <laughs> well, some people, they go on the extreme, right? Some people just show a, a response page that says thank you for signing up and that's it there's no expectation there's no next steps and then the other people are just spam the crap out of them with offers 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 mm-hmm. offers right it's this is a relationship provide value like if think about it from your perspective what would you want to receive what's going to help them you know inform them of things that are coming up um, tell them what you're going to be sending them maybe give them exclusive deals that they can't get anywhere else 
but um, you know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of telling your story, telling your the story of your guests, things like that. Stuff that's interesting to people and not, not just always selly, selly, selly. Now, you should be promoting rates, no question. You should be doing promotions, mm-hmm. but that shouldn't be the only thing you're doing. Well, this is your chance because you currently don't have a room to sell is to sell your service. If you're a hotelier, your job is to make people feel comfortable and be an asset to your guest. So even if they can't stay with you just yet, be be helpful. Tell them about things that are going on in the area. Give them tips for travel. Give them whatever they need. Or just say, hey, if you're coming to our area and you're trying to find a place to eat dinner, we can help. Just be there for people. And then when you actually have rooms to sell, you already have a base of you know loyal fans and you know people who are ready to stay yeah and then bar, you know leverage them in terms of learning from them right ask them questions what what is it why did they travel to this destination what is it that they would like at the property you know what what do they look for in a property maybe you've got some decisions to make on like decor or service offering make throw that out to you these people because one, they're going to be more engaged with you, and, and you're going to build a lot of loyalty with those people that feel like they have a piece of ownership in creating the product, and then they're going to want to stay even more because of that. Yeah, and I agree, you know, the communication and the nurturing people before, like you said, you don't have a room to sell yet, so building that relationship. I think a few other things to keep in mind when you're looking at what platform you want to go with, whether you want to manage it in-house, whether you want to work with an agency, et cetera, you know, you're going to want something that can handle things like some automation down the road. It's going to save you a lot of time. You're going to want to look at something that can support email personalization, perhaps even email testing. So just things to keep in mind with the technology that you're using and considerations as far as down the road, do you want to keep this in house or work with somebody who perhaps has a little bit more experience with that? Yeah. I mean, great, great points. The drip campaigns, the automation, the personalization, think about where you want to be in 12 or 24 months as you're planning it out. Right. So look, not just the technology, but also the data that you're collecting. So if, if you want to personalize so that, you know, the emails are going to, Hey Pete, or hey Melissa, right? Then make sure you're collecting their first name and their last name separate, not just name as one block of text. Because then you're just, hey Pete DeMeo, which is a lot more formal than hey Pete would be. So you know, think it through. Don't spend a whole lot of time. Don't overthink it. Don't collect like what Pete had for breakfast this morning. Hey Pete, um, what'd you have for breakfast? A uh, chocolate Belvedere bar. Oh, Ooh. that sounds really healthy. Yeah, it's not. It's what I need to eat. Chocolate is the <laughs> is the staple of every good breakfast. Well, correct. I looked at the chocolate Belvita bars versus the honey oat and the other ones, mm-hmm. and they all have the same amount of sugar. So go with chocolate. So I was like, hey, if if, if, if in doubt, go free, chocolate. Yeah, I like that. So you know what my problem with Belvita bars is? What? It just sounds like Velveeta, and I think it's cheese. Sometimes <laughs> why is that a problem? It's, when it's dark and I I'm eating cheese. Brand confusion. I don't know. I I, I think cheese and chocolate. I'd eat that. Breakfast actually a good combination yeah. maybe that's a hot take i don't know anyway where were we i was going to chime in and okay. say adding on to your commentary Stuart, about since you are at the start of building this database it is easier to set it up correctly from the start than trying to go back and fix it afterwards so to mm-hmm. your point about making sure that all those fields that you have a first name last name etc cetera, etc cetera, um do it just really think it through all the way again it doesn't have to be rocket science at first but get the basics down correctly make sure that you can 
attribute a source to yeah, your email. Yeah, I was going to say that. Like that's something that most people miss. It's like they can't go back at any point and say where did these emails come right. from and what which, which ones perform better. So I so can if you're collecting from social it. media, make sure that you have a way of tagging those people so that you know they came and do social media or if they came in through your website yeah. or et cetera, et cetera. It's important. I agree, hundred percent. Are we ready for number four? I almost did three, 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 three again. I forgot that we've already done that one. Four. I can't count above three. Quattro. Number four is public public relations. So as we started to talk about earlier, you know, your brand doesn't have any demand. People don't know about it yet. So PR can be important throughout the lifespan of your property for sure. But definitely before you launch, you're going to want to generate that awareness and buzz and get people excited about your hotel. Yeah. And, you know, PR for me, you know, one of the key focuses of that is is should be getting other people that have an audience to talk about you right so that could be travel bloggers it could be media outlets like local newspapers television stations it could be travel magazines there's there's a spectrum of media out there that has an audience that you want to get in front of so you've got to create a reason that someone is going to write about you or do a story about you so you've got to have some kind of unique twist or value proposition or story or you there's got to be a reason that these people are going to seek you out and want to write about you for their audience for sure you know i think when you're going through your branding process and you're defining who you are you really need to identify what is unique about your property why are you special why would people want to travel to your destination why would people want to travel to your hotel. And that's so important. And that's something that's really going to be a key piece to your PR outreach is, you know, persuading and convincing people that, wow, this is awesome. You know, you've got to tell your story, tell people who you are and really convey that in a very persuasive and unique way. Yeah. You don't need to spend a lot of money doing the outreach. You, you can go hire a high end PR firm and they can do a great job for you. And, you know, in some cases that makes a lot of sense, especially if you're like a corporate kind of entity. But if you're just this little mom and pop in and you only have 14 rooms, you're not really going to be able to afford that PR agency. So this is where you can really get creative and get scrappy. You know, we had one client that they created a little scrapbook of, of their, who they are, right? Their story, like the showing the kind of decor that they were going to have, the menu that they were going to have. And why they created it and it was just very visual it was very, like why they chose that location right, it was a very remote location like yeah. just their whole story behind it was yeah. really cool and it was really passionate but it was literally handcrafted like they made each one by hand and they probably made 40 or 50 of these in selected carefully curated group of magazines and places like that to send it to and they mailed it. They did it all on their own. It probably took them, you know, a couple of weeks to put all this stuff together and, and get it sent out. But because of that, they got picked up by a lot of good, strong media outlets and it generated their business. I mean, that's how they started out because they were in a remote location. They didn't have a built-in audience. The people weren't seeking them out. They had to create the demand. But you know what? If you're like one of the best secret places to stay in 2018 on some kind of travel magazine, you better believe you're going to get a lot mm -hmm. of people calling you and wanting to stay with you. For sure. And I totally agree that, you know, the grassroots, the scrappy way of doing it can be extremely effective. I also think that on your website or landing page, it can be valuable if there are people that are travel bloggers that are seeking, you know, really unique things or top places that are opening, whatever, having 
a media kit ready to go is a really great idea. And you can just look online for media kits for hotels and it'll give you everything you need to have prepped. Yeah, and that is templates. so, so important to do because like most people in the world, writers are pretty lazy mm-hmm. and they're going to write the article that's easiest for them to get produced. So if you have a great high quality logo with a transparent background and everything you need, you have some good large images for them to use and just some nice boilerplate copy that they can grab and stick in. A lot of times the best PR comes when a writer's on a deadline, they have a spot in a magazine or paper to fill and you make it easy for them to do that last minute. If you can do that, then you'll see so much more performance out of your PR efforts. Yeah. And I think a good way to amplify this, you know, if you do start to get some traction, you've got some good press out there, having a page on your site that brags about that is great as well. Cause again, once you're trying to drive people to your website, having a press page front and center, so they can say, Oh wow. That, you know, travel weekly recommended them or this health and wellness coach recommended them, you know, putting that out there and just continuing to amplify mm-hmm. that as well. And I think one of the things to add to the PR discussion is, you know, using the assets you have at your location, where are the main feeder markets for your destination and get in the car and go there, you know, go talk to radio stations, go talk to TV, go talk to whomever you need to and make sure that you're creating the PR buzz, not necessarily where your property is, but where your guests are. And if you can do that, that's going to help, you know, immensely. Yeah, and this, I mean, this is an opportunity too to to do outreach, you know, for PR with things people like travel bloggers, where you can offer them or media from, say, your driver markets, and tell them, hey, come stay with us. We want you to experience the property. Um, we're gonna maybe open to you a week before we open to the public. Give them some kind of exclusive peek, sneak peek, to make it even more enticing. Mm-hmm. Get people to your property. How much does that really cost you? And show them a good time, and then they're going to go write about you. They're going to feel obliged and have a relationship and continue to nurture that relationship. It's another audience, just like your regular guest. You want to nurture the media contacts that you have as well. And look at the media's social profiles as well. You know, that's a great place. Obviously, if you know, let's say Charlotte, North Carolina is one of your markets, look at the news stations, the papers, the key websites, look at their social profiles and try to form partnerships there because that's going to be very easy to convert that person from, you know, the newspaper's web uh, social profile to yours, to an email address, and then eventually to a guest. For sure. Good one. Are we ready for number five? I'm miscounting all day. Mm-hmm. Drunk already. I'm not drinking today. I'm sans beer. I know. This Everybody else is sans beer, and I'm the only one that had a drink today. It's very off balance. Um, number five, 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 five is content. So this is... Caveat here, this is a long-term strategy, right? Um, But something that we have found to be very effective long-term for other properties. So the idea behind this is tying it into SEO a little bit, but also just being helpful to guests that are interested in your property, creating and distributing high-quality content that provides value to searchers. So especially effective if you're in a little bit more of a remote or an unknown destination, but if you can go ahead and create a blog or start creating some travel guides or some content on things that are related to your property, a great way to build some relationships with the people in the community as well that will hopefully support your business. So content can be extremely crucial to helping sell people on your property. 
this is your point in time where you can really sell what is unique about your property. Get good content that differentiates yourself from everybody else in your market. Or if you are really one in your own market because you don't have any competition, then what is unique about the destination that you're in? This is the point in time where you can do that by creating really good quality content with good quality images. It goes back to you don't have guests yet, so start providing the service and you know, helping them with their vacation decisions, writing the content, you know, making it known. And then we talked about PR, we talked about social, using those tools to drive them back to the content that you're working on developing. Yeah, you, you really want to try to anticipate every question that's going to be posed in the minds of these consumers, right? So why should I come to your destination? Why should I stay with you versus your competition? And even if I want to stay with you, why should I book with you versus booking through a third-party Expedia or a brand that I actually know? So anticipate all the myriad of questions surrounding all three of those kind of points of view and answer them before the questions even asked. So you can reassure, going back to a couple of weeks ago when we talked about the emotional side of pushing people through the funnel, reassure people, give them a, a reason that they should book with you directly and stay with you in your destination and Start to, again, nurture that relationship with guests, telling them what to anticipate and expect when they come. And we always say on the show that your website is, it, it's as important as your lobby. It's, it's the first impression someone gets, and it should be a similar impression to what they, they get on property. So content, both written, video, um, photography, all that kind of content comes together to create what essentially your brand is or how your brand is perceived and uh, you got to start writing as soon as you can, for sure. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, especially if they don't consider themselves creatives, you know, they get a little bit bogged down by this idea of, oh, I got to write another blog this week. And it's like really the you're only as limited as your creativity, right? And I think if this is something that does not appeal to you personally, perhaps look at somebody else who either is a writer or works in marketing that's a little bit more creative that's going to do this well because there's nothing worse than bad content if you're just going to put a half-hearted effort in towards this and just slap up a blog that's not doing any good for your brand or your property and it's a blatant waste of your time so doing it and doing it well and then also there's a, just a few quick seo tips that you can keep in mind to help this be not only valuable to the people that are searching but also for search engines. And we have plenty of resources on our website and our podcast about this, but just a few quick tips. Clean and intuitive URL structure, right? So having a URL that speaks to what your content is actually about is important. Having, you know, taking some time to craft a clever and concise article headline. You want it to be a little bit clickbaity so that people actually want to click on it and read what you have to say. Like the name of each of our episodes on this podcast. Yes, most of them. Most of them are pretty clickbaity. Yeah. You want in Mac to match that an enticing title tag and meta description. So that's the little bit of text that's going to show up on a search engine. You also want relevant internal links throughout where appropriate. So if you happen to be talking about a room, if you have a rooms page available, link to that. That's the idea. High quality images. We've already talked about this. If you have those available, you really want to tie that into your article, whatever it's about to help tell that story. And then you also want to use headers to break up that content. So if you're telling a story and have a narrative, that's great. But if it is something about, you know, the top outdoor dining experiences near your property, just having some headers, breaking that up to make it a little less cumbersome, a little bit easier scan. And then call to actions. You know, what do you want people to do at the end of this? And 
hint, it's not always book, right? The end of every blog, the goal is not to have them book, but having perhaps a form that they can join your email list for other great news articles or, you know, hey, check out our specials page to see what we currently have up. Just keeping in mind what's the next step you want them to take. Yeah, and, and sometimes create resources to go along, companion pieces, right? So if it's articles about the area, maybe you have a little downloadable itinerary thing, you know, or printable events calendar. Or, you know, give people value and give them the next step. And the other thing I think, going back to the list you were, you were mentioning, in, internal links is something that's often overlooked. Not just when you're writing a new article, figuring out, well, where does it make sense to link to other places within my site, but then going back to previous articles that you've written in previous places within the site and linking to that new article as well, where it makes sense. You, you want to build this kind of web of content that's relevant and, and always give someone a next step when they're reading an article. You know, we talked about, you know, setting up your social, your site to be the best possible site. We talked about setting up your e social media, your email, all to be set up right from the start. And it definitely is true for content. Most people who come into a market, usually it's the newest entrant to the market that's going to have the best technology because everybody, all the other hotels in your area already have websites. They may have had websites for years. You're going to be the one who's going to have a brand new hotel website that can take the most advantage of you know, the best possible tools. Do you need AMP pages for your news items? Do you have all your markup done the appropriate way? Are you doing every last thing you can that's going to be better than the other hoteliers that are out there? Because they've probably gotten lazy and they haven't updated their site. They've you know kind of sat on their laurels a little bit and not doing the things that need to get done. You yeah. can do them. Yeah, I mean, schema.org is a great example yeah. of that, right? Like the vast majority of people we come to, even if they're on an SEO retainer with another client or another vendor, they don't have schema.org markup because it wasn't around real prevalent when they built the website. And it's kind of a pain in the butt to go back and retrofit that. But, but it's easy when you haven't When you're building it from scratch, yeah. it's really, really easy. And it should should be done. You've got to take the time and the spend the money to get it done. But most people, like you said, don't do that. Yeah, and I think it's important to note too, obviously, you know, a lot of the tips that we just named are specific to written content. But if you aren't comfortable writing content, if you know, working with a writer isn't an option, look at other forms, you know, content isn't just limited to written content, right? So you can go out there and create some really awesome videos. You can look at a little bit more visual things like infographics or creating guides or even, you know, a podcast is content. So if written content isn't something you're totally comfortable with, or if you just want to diversify your content mix, look at some other options as well. Yeah, podcast is a terrible idea. No one listens to podcasts. <laughs> yes, but true. Um, Except for this one, because it's amazing. But for inspiration, you should, you know, the, the great thing about the World Wide Web is whatever you think of. The Wild Wild Web. The Wild Wild Web. <laughs> the Wicca Wicca Wild Wild West. <laughs> is um, someone's already done a lot of the work for you, right? So you can go search. And it doesn't, not necessarily in your destination. You don't want to rip those off. But go find other properties that have done a really good job of content and borrow their content ideas write it in your own tone with your own voice with your own value proposition but you don't have to come up with from scratch every article that you're going to yeah, write you don't have to reinvent the wheel hmm. go find a prominent destination find a property that kind of looks like yours where someone's already doing a really good job give them credit where it makes sense you know maybe even reach out and tell them thank you for the help but there's nothing wrong with borrowing ideas and leveraging that to create your own new content we do it all the time Speak for yourself, sir. <laughs>
Are we ready for numero six? So this is one I feel like Stuart might get on a plinth about, something he feels oh, very passionate about. let me get my plinth. About. Hold on. Pull out the plinth. Plinth alert. So leveraging local partnerships. Word of mouth is inarguably the oldest and most effective form of advertising. And it's really... I, I want to argue. Okay. I, I can't. Oh. <laughs> it's inarguable. Okay, there you go. I want to, but I cannot. Yeah. So reaching out to people within your community is a great first step, but also things that are specific to your property. Do you have any examples you would like to share, Stuart? Sorry, I wasn't listening. What? <laughs> you can feature local artwork. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, you're not. <laughs> no, I am. No, I, th- I think this is uh, really, really important. I think that what people forget about, right, is... A lot of people that are coming to your destination probably have some tie to that destination. They're either coming on vacation or they're coming on a business trip or they're coming to visit family or friends. Like there's a good percentage of people that are coming to your market that decision can be influenced by someone local. Like if I think about it throughout the year, I probably have two or three dozen different people that are coming to Myrtle Beach to ask for my opinion on where to stay, right? And my opinion is formed by my relationship with those properties. So if you extrapolate that out to every local, probably influences some people that come to your destination every year, you have to get involved with the community from a charitable perspective, from a media perspective, from a CVB perspective, from a local business perspective, because local businesses are going to drive a lot of people to the area, you know, come visit them on business. They've got employees coming for interviews. They've got folks from other um, office locations coming to stay. Uh, they might have group events and business meetings. So you have to be very prominent in, in the market. Um, I think some of the ones we've seen, people getting involved in like local running clubs. It's a phenomenal opportunity. Um, people that are doing the, the hosting local artwork, uh, getting involved with local restaurants and offering exclusive discounts, local shopping. I mean, there, there's so many that you just go find out what's important in your community and get active. For sure. I think that the first starting place is your local chamber of commerce. So joining the chamber, going to other chamber events, and also hosting a chamber event at your property after you open is a great idea. And there's also other organizations, like in Myrtle Beach, we have a chapter of our hospitality association, obviously a great fit for a hotel or resort property. So looking for those organizations within your community is probably the first place you want to start. Yeah. And, and, and you know, include your employees too. get them active in like, you know, we ha- here have GSC and AAF and so lots of little organizations get different folks within your organization to be ambassadors for your brand and get the word out that you exist. And like you said, the chamber's great or CVB, whatever's in your area, because they're spending a ton of money driving people to your destination. One of the ways they do that a lot is that the bloggers that come into town, like we talked about earlier, that you can reach out to your own. Well, guess what? You can do that on the dime of the CVB if you're in the position to do so, if you've got the relationships where you can say, we'll host them for free, but then the chamber's paying for their airfare and their meals and entertainment, but you're getting the exposure as much as the destination is. So there's a lot of opportunity there to be active with the chamber. And I will go out on a complete limb here and say, you may be able to leverage your competitors as well as a partnership. Now, obviously you don't want to lose a guest to a competitor, but there are ways that you can partner by perhaps sharing 
data that is available between you and your competitors to really understand what's going on in the market. Because the more people you get into town, the more people you both get to share. And that's win-win for everybody. And it's good to have good relationships and not be so backstabby. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. Uh, you know, we, we try to encourage that with our clients when, when we have multiple in a destination to collaborate and share, especially data. Because it's really hard in isolation if, if you're looking at your Google Analytics and you have a downturn or some weird spike in data. Do you is it you know is it market driven? Is it the whole destination as a whole, or is it just me? Is it something I did? So when you you can share data, especially with multiple properties, and you can start to see trends in the area, you know where you should be from a conversion rate standpoint, from a EDR standpoint, stuff like that. I think it's win win if you can share that data for sure. My point exactly. Yeah. And then running clubs, like I mentioned, you probably had experience with that. But I know a lot of people that travel, like yourself, like to run, right? So reaching out to people will go to a new destination and reach out to the local running club and see what kind of running opportunities are available, group meetups, things like that. Maybe host them at your property, you know, incentivize the running club or whatever, the yoga club or the yeah, bridge club like or whatever. Yeah, runners like to eat and they like to eat breakfast after a run. And if you can provide space, you don't even have to provide a discount or anything else. But if you can provide space yep. to hold a group of people that are kind of smelly, um, we like to eat. And we like to smell. And we like to smell. Hmm. Yeah. And, and this is not a game of home runs. This is a game of a lot of just base hits. You go after this group, talk to this group, talk to that group, and eventually you'll have that big enough network where, you know, the the volume of people talking about you is going to be big enough to where it really does start to make a difference. Yeah, and and beyond just the tangible stuff we've talked about about references, you can then once you've got a network of local businesses, people, you can start cross-linking your websites, which helps everyone. You can start. Um, promoting each other on social media which helps everyone so there's a lot of benefits beyond just a referring business to us you can also kind of game the system a little bit by getting that unfair advantage that your competitors are not doing right and this takes work and it takes time and you have to be genuine you have to invest in building real relationships and not going out there just saying hey i want to get something out of this but actually getting to know your local community and contributing to it and providing value there's a lot of reward from doing that but it takes time and the good thing is that means your lazy competitors probably not going to do it is that all that well there are three more but you have to go to the blog Ooh. to unlock unleash the secrets yeah unlock it but you don't need to give us an email address or anything it is free nope. for your free eyeballs content. so if you go to fueltravel.com slash podcast click on episode 71 we'll link to that article if you just go to fueltravel.com slash blog you will see it there i forget the name of the what is the title is it the same as this yes which is what how to promote your hotel before it opens yeah so good that was good stuff i like it would we like to answer our question oh we have a question a question we just got a question we just got a question i wonder who it's from who is it from it is from abraham okay from twitter he asks how do I convince my happy guests to review online considering they have not booked or looked online before reaching the hotel? I think he's talking about just walk-in guest or phone guest or just yeah, you know, a, a traditional yeah. 
visitor to the site, the hotel that has never been. Anywhere. Yeah, I wonder too, is he also saying they didn't book with me, maybe Expedia people? But in general, I think the concept is the same to mm-hmm. get reviews, right? Yeah, I, th- I think the first thing that you want to do is provide phenomenal service. So they one, they want to leave a great review. And I mean, the best thing to do is while they're at the property, ask them. That's really what it comes down to when the when they first check in if you don't have their contact information make sure you get that because if you don't have their email address you know after they leave the property it's gonna be very hard to remind them that they had a phenomenal experience and should spread the word yeah a lot of people just rely on email like that post day survey and they're you know that that's not going to be the most effective the most effective way is like pete said creating a great experience for the guest and one of the best ways to do that is to communicate with the guests throughout their stay. Mm-hmm. You know, check in with them after they, they've got to the room to make sure it's to their satisfaction. When you see them in the lobby, stop them and ask them what they're up to today and is everything to their satisfaction and can you improve anything for them? Is there anything you can do for them? Begin to build that relationship with every single guest that comes to your property and get them to not just have a great experience, but to get to know the staff and a build that relationship as well, that reciprocal relationship. And then, like you said, ask them, just say, Hey, if you're having a great experience, it would really help us out. If you have some time, we'd really like you to mm-hmm. go to TripAdvisor or wherever you're sending people and leave a review. That you, really helps us. It starts with something that we haven't said in a while, but it's surprise and delight. You know, if you don't know who this person is, or if you do know who this person is, just always go out of your way to surprise and delight them. And people want to do, nice things for nice people yeah. so be a nice person yeah. I, two comments here so i just on my own i am not going to go leave a review unless it's a really awesome experience or it's a really terrible experience like for me if it was okay or if it was what i expected or if it was good like it's just it's not enough for me to have something to say I about think it. most people are like that i would for say. sure but also you know i've had experiences with and not even in necessarily the hotel realm or the dining realm which is where you typically think of reviews but it was a plumber who came over some something to do with my drains whatever and he fixed it and that at the end he gave, gave you me had a, a card. plumbing problem yes i did okay it was thankfully not very serious easy to fix yeah but afterwards he gave me a card and said thank you so much you know if you have any other problems let me know and the card on there was a prompt to go review the company online i was like oh awesome you know i this was a good experience so just because i was asked to do it i went and did it yeah people are definitely a lot more likely to do something if you ask them to do it that's how facebook is Mm -hmm. successful with the you know they're very overt about what they want you to do you know like comment things like that people are sheep they're going to do what they Mm -hmm. especially if they've had a good experience right that and that's really what you want to nurture is positive reviews most of the time the people that are going to go out of their way to review are the ones that are disgruntled or angry or want to vent right so if you want to tip it back in your balance and get the good experiences to leave more reviews ask them just just ask them and be hyper specific about it don't leave us a review leave us a review on TripAdvisor. here's the link to do that here's a link specifically to my property and and like the plumber did give them maybe give them a little card that has the url Mm -hmm. or qr code or whatever it is to help them make it easy make it easier for them to do so you know what we should ask abraham now that we've answered his question is how do we make people, the thousands of people that listen to this podcast, go and leave us a review on iTunes? Mm. How do we do that? Maybe we, we should send out an email to our maybe 
podcast I mean, subscriber I, list. I feel like we've had <laughs> I, the, I feel like we've had conversations with the people. Yeah. We've built relationships mm-hmm. with these people. We provided value. Hopefully, they've had a great experience. So maybe Should, we need to ask them. So Abraham, will you please leave us a review on iTunes? Yeah, and you can do that mm-hmm. by clicking. Else too. Go to iTunes, the podcast app. Actually, on the on your iPhone, click on Library at the bottom. It's the second tab from the left. Click on Shows at the top. Find Fuels with a little white circle with a red background. I feel like background. you've done this before, Stuart. I have, and yet no one listens. <laughs> click on the Fuel thing and then scroll down and you'll see reviews. And every one of our 16 reviews is five star, so Ooh. we like those. But click five stars and then leave a little comment. And we would love it. And we will read it out. We will. In a British accent. Not mine on the show. Stuart's mum might make an appearance. <laughs> she could become a weekly addition she to the could. show. <laughs> Teaser analytics question next week. Who's excited? What? Woo-hoo! I know Melissa is. Yeah. Do we jokes? No. No joke this week. Oh, I had one, but now I have to remember it. Hold on. Oh, I know what it was. Okay. What is the difference between snowmen and snow women? I want to do a quote from Kindergarten Cop, but it's probably not appropriate. <laughs> Snowballs. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, right about there. Yeah. This is a PG-14 episode now. Oh, that's fine. Okay. Everybody go vote in our Fuel Office poll on our Twitter page. Oh, yeah. So we started this new thing. You want to explain what it is? It's an office poll. <laughs> on our Twitter page. <laughs> Not to be confused with our other office poll. <laughs> so we started, we have a lot of healthy debates in this, you know, really deep, meaningful, healthy debates in this office about things like... White Christmas lights versus multicolored Christmas lights. Yeah, or eggnog, eggnog good or bad, right? Yeah. So, I mean, this is high, hard-hitting topics. <laughs> so, we do this in the office, and we, we all have a little avatar thing, a picture well, of our face. Well, we just made it official. So, we got the board now with yeah. our faces. I decided to, since some people, what we have, like, this last one for eggnog, we've got, like, seven Switzerlands who just can't decide if eggnog is good or bad. Well, again, my, I was Switzerland because if it's got booze in it, I'm It's I'm a yes or it. no question. Mm-hmm. You're overthinking it. It should be a 10-point spectrum of... No, no. So we're reaching out to our Twitter fans yeah, we're to see engaging. if they would like to contribute. Yeah. By listening to this podcast, you are part of the Fuel Nation. You are a fueligan. And we want you to contribute. Yes, we want to know. Do you like eggnog? Yes or no? Yeah. So go to uh, Twitter at Fuel Travel. Yes. And you will have those polls and you can contribute. Who's winning right now? On Twitter, it was 13 votes. It was like 56% yes for eggnog. So yeah. eggnog is a... I feel like it's a marginal yes in the office too. It's still a yes. Yeah. A yes is a yes. marginal to start with though. It's, it's okay. But I'll have something hey, else. If to... eggnog was good, wouldn't it be on sale year round? And wouldn't no, people it's consume a once, it? It's like uh, Cadbury eggs for Easter. No, Cadbury eggs should be consumed every day of every no, year because they're, they're delicious. They're good because it's like a once a year thing. There's the anticipation. You no, look forward I would to eat it, those it all better. year round because they're delicious. The old, they redid them. The old version is better. The new version way is better. like way too sweet. You know what's even better? The English version because the Cadbury chocolate is better in England mm-hmm. than it is here. Yeah. It's not made in stupid Canada. No offense to all the Canadians out there, but... They don't make chocolate like yeah. England. Stick to maple syrup and poutine. And what? Poutine. poutine. What in the world is poutine? French fries and gravy, sir. I we were ne- going over the border to get some French fries and gravy. Never heard it. <laughs> delicious. What? Poutine. I never had it until recently, and I have to say it's delicious. That's the thing. Chips and gravy is a big thing in England, but we don't call it poutine. We call it chips and gravy. 
Well, I think it also has like cheese curds on top or something too. It's or is that something different? I don't know. It's delicious. It's Send in your poutine. Yes. <laughs> and your poll answers. It's a terrible name, I think, but whatever. Questionable for sure. All right, Pete, where can they find you on Twitter? They can find me at P Demayo, P D I M A I O. Melissa. I am at Ma Cavanaugh, M A K A V A N A G H. Misha. I am at Ma Marketing, Misha. That is <laughs> marketing, M E I S H A. And I am at Ma Stuart Butler. <laughs> Not really. I'm at S T U A R T B U T L E R. You can collectively find us at Fuel Travel and answer the poll question there. You can leave a review for us on the podcast app on iTunes and. You can get the show notes at fueltravel.com slash podcast. Click on episode 71 and they'll get a link there to the other three secrets that we talked about in the blog. And until next time, you've been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. Would you like me to do a sound <laughs> for you, dear? <laughs> It's Stuart's mom again. <laughs> that was like really crude British. Uh, Melissa, can you do a sound test? I can do a sound test if you like. I'm testing the sound. Sound a little bit better than mine. <laughs> yeah. I should not have just had that drink.